0: If you're an entrepreneurial public servant, this podcast is for you. Welcome to Inspiring People and Places, where we interview national leaders in the architectural engineering, construction, and development industry in an effort to educate, innovate, and inspire industry professionals to disrupt the status quo, improve their project teams, and steward public and private investments more effectively. I'm your host, BJ Kramer, President and CEO of MCFA, and today's guest is Jillian Breeden from Engage Federal. Welcome to the show, Jillian.
1: Thanks so much, BJ. I'm happy to be here.
0: We're happy to have you. So how have you been?
1: You know, doing well in a global pandemic, the best you can with two kids at home, but hanging in there.
0: So I've been struggling with what the theme for today is, and we'll probably title it after the show. But I think what's important to highlight, uh, and we will read a little bit of your bio, I think it's important to highlight that you are a mom- a planner and a business owner all at once and a wife and a nonprofit leader. And what else am I missing?
1: Yeah, like, it's like a winding path will get you through a lot of things, but the destination is yet to be de- determined, I guess. That's kind of what I'm, that's my theme right now. Um, nope, I think you got it. Cat, right. animal lover, I don't there know. Those in there too.
0: <laughs> so out of, out of your capability statement, Jillian is a licensed professional engineer with close to 20 years of experience providing facilities, planning support to government agencies prior to founding Engage, which I'm most excited about to see what that transition and what caused that. I think I know a little bit of the story, but excited to share that. Um, Engage Federal, she served as associate principal and federal government sector lead at a full service architecture firm and as the federal planning program manager at an environmental and engineering consulting firm. Uh, she's passionate that proper planning leads to executable projects, and that is something we can definitely agree on. Uh, I believe yeah. one, of, one of the uh, themes I was kicking around was, I love it when a good plan comes together.
1: Exactly. No, that's oh. like my private life and my professional life.
0: That's, ain't that the truth? Um, and what everybody cannot see is Jillian's recently refurbished Zoom background that's her real office, but I'm going to steal <laughs> as my Zoom background because it looks so good. Um, so the first part of the show, Jillian, we, we do focus on, you know, how did you get to where you are now? And you've been president and founder of Engage Federal for two Two plus years, years? two years. And I think we met right after you launched your firm. Yes, I believe so. So tell us what led you to two years ago, founding your own WOSB in the federal planning space. Where'd you get started and... what made you travel this path?
1: Oh gosh, yeah, and that's the, I, I'm going to go back a little more than those two years because it's been a st- not strange path. I don't think it's unusual, but I think when people, especially people going into college or coming out of college, they think they need to know their path, and by no means did I know my path. So, um, so I'll go back to that a little bit, right? So, yeah, I, always I think love- you
0: should tell us where you what where you went to school and what did you major in.
1: Okay, exactly. That's exactly. So here I am in the architecture, engineering, and construction industry. And I majored in chemical engineering. And so when see, people see the PE, they, of course, ask me, like, what discipline, you know, and then I say environmental environmental engineering. And that gets even more confusing because I'm a chemie with an environmental engineering PE working as a facility planner. So, um, so yeah, let's go back a little. So when I was in high school loved math science and I knew that was the route I wanted to go. But <laughs> my dad, I thought I wanted to do like dual major biology, chemistry, something like that. It's amazing how much your teachers have to do with which you know, disciplines you like. Right. Um, but I had really good teachers in those areas. And my dad <laughs> said, hmm, what about engineering <laughs> Like instead of being a scientist about engineering, and uh, you know he was speaking from the heart there because he himself is a chemical engineer. Gosh, um, yeah. So there you go. You follow in your father's footsteps, and I decided to go with chemical engineering. And in school, was doing uh, well, and decided to do the cooperative education program that chemies do um, at Virginia Tech. Woo, go Hokies! And yeah, you knew I had to say it. I did. So uh, worked for DuPont for a couple of semesters. And, you know, you know, those life changing moments. That was one of them where I was doing it and I was doing well. But the end of my term, one of my uh, the advisor that was working with me said, you know, you did great at this like plant scale up chemical engineering thing. Um, but do you really like this? (laughs) I said, no, I don't really like this. (laughs) And so change moment. Right. And I said, you know, I like people and being in this plant environment with a hard hat and steel toed boots and truthfully looking like a bring your daughter to work day. I was so young compared to the rest of the men working in Mm. the plant. I, I, I knew that that was not what I wanted to do for my career. Uh, so I went back to school and I decided to do concentrations in green engineering and business as well. So I what, actually- what year is this? Oh gosh,
0: you're dating me. Not, not, no, not, not like what year are you in school? Good. Sophomore, my- junior.
1: <laughs> that would have been too hard for me. <laughs> um, no. So I think at this point I was a sophomore. It was between my sophomore and junior year. Okay. Yeah. And so I diversified my, you know, electives and took on my course load was crazy, but, um, decided to get those concentrations in green engineering and business. And then coming out of school, well, so because of cooperative education program, I was ending at a weird time. So I was graduating in December of 2001. Well, the whole world knows what happens in September of 2001. And, um, Job market kind of crashed because of the uncertainties, which may be a lot like now for some people coming out of school. So um, here's some hope and and wisdom for you that, you know, where you I took the job that was being offered and actually it was a great fit, but it was an environmental consulting firm. And oh, by the way, I was about to get married to a Navy guy and I didn't yet know where he would be stationed. So there was a lot of uncertainty in my life where I thought it was going to be kind of temporary anyway. Turns out it was 15 years at that company, (laughs) and so I I stayed, and and the flexibility that they gave um, was amazing, and that's why I stayed. But a chemical engineer, because they worked for a lot of EPA work, and EPA, if you're regulating industry, you need to understand the industry, so they hired a lot of chemies. Um, Within months of being there, they actually had a Navy project come up for a water treatment plant. And had an opportunity, of course, with, you know, it was a network situation where they were going to trust this company because they knew the people. And that was the first 1391 I did. So that's my specialty is DOD, uh, federal, uh, the DD, Department of Defense, Form 1391s, which basically has to go and get through approval in order to um, fund and authorize any project over $750,000. So if it's a new construction project, it goes all the way up to Congress. That's my specialty. Started within months out of school and realized I loved it. And the detail-orientedness, the planning aspect, the strategy, um, doing things years in advance, but keeping track of everything for that long. And that's how I got into the AEC community. And so 15 years at that company doing that and growing the planning team there. Um, then much like your previous uh, podcast guests have talked about opportunity knocks. Sometimes you're not looking for it. You, you, I was comfortable. I was really comfortable, too comfortable and opportunity knocked. And so I went to work in another firm and, and another, for a, another federal agency altogether It was going to be my primary project working for NOAA, and, I decided to jump, and again, coincidentally, it was a major lifetime change. My child was leaving daycare, which was like a mortgage payment, and so <laughs> going into the elementary school system. So, uh, little things like that that can give you the like, my life is changing at home. Let's see where my career change might go. Um, worked for a couple years at the architecture firm trying to build their federal portfolio. Ultimately, I don't quite think that they understood federal is a very long game and we weren't necessarily seeing eye to eye on that. You know, I was only my heart and soul is federal work um, and they had other heart and souls. And so we it, it, the writing was on the wall that we were going to part ways. And then I had a choice to either find a really good engineering firm or architecture firm. But truthfully, I'm more of an engineering mindset, so I thought that that would be where I'd fit in more, um, or go out on my own. So I, within, I explored both. I interviewed a handful of companies. <laughs> I interviewed them. All
0: right, let me let me back us up. You left the environmental consulting firm. You were getting ready to jump into uh, a NOAA engagement with a new firm. Did they have a federal planning practice?
1: They had previously had a federal practice, not necessarily, you know, they were more of a design firm, so not too much planning. They had not done too many ones. Um, But as is the case with a lot of small businesses, their champion had retired and moved on and they didn't have another champion. And so they had let their federal experience go stale And then they realized, wait, now we're not winning new federal work. (laughs) That's kind of how that works. Um, So by bringing me in, they had one big project that was going to be space planning and kind of a feasibility for renovation of a headquarters. So they brought me in for that, hoping that I would also then do BD for federal.
0: Okay. So I think that's, I mean, we're both small businesses, so I'm going to interrupt this, like the background to say... I don't think a lot of people realize that when we're doing work, it's like we're out there, we're delivering to clients, we're meeting new people, we're submitting on contracts or getting on teams, and then all of a sudden we win something that's like, I call it the adjacent possible. It's like, oh, it's a new service with an existing client, it's a new client with an existing service, it's, hey, we know a guy who knows a guy and they're asking for somebody to do this, and it's you know, it looks like something we can take on. We're not sure. Hey, you know, and we do it. Exactly. And, and then as a small business, our hope is that we can groom a champion, you know, find a champion, get them delivering the work because nobody, and I don't care who the firm is. Nobody has a hundred people sitting on the bench, twiddling their thumbs, waiting for a contract to 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 win a contract let alone for a task order to get started right i mean yeah. if you're and and i w- i will be fair to all of the big firms out there aecom wsp uh hdr i mean they're all unbelievably big firms with unbelievably diverse portfolios of work and incredible professionals but those professionals aren't sitting around waiting for that next contract to hit so there's i've talked about this before there's no such thing as just in time people in our world it's like nobody is 100% billable on on friday and then the contract starts the following monday and now they're 100% billable again right we're
1: right. we're
0: always kind of balancing that capacity so for the people in small business world or or maybe even the the uh, people in the junior professional side that are listening what attracted you to the opportunity with the the design firm?
1: Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, and, and right, like a really, you have to be careful and walk this line carefully. But for firms, first, I will give the, it doesn't hurt to ask, right? To reach out to someone. We had teamed, they had seen my resume. They knew who I was, what I was, could bring. Um and it first was very casual conversation that quickly led to, are you ready for something new? Um, so you have to be careful. Don't, nobody likes the word poaching. Um, you got to be careful. <laughs> but you never know. Um, it just happened to be a time in my life that, gosh, um, 15 years in a company you would hope, and, and in a growing sector of the company, um, federal planning instead of a- an and environmental compliance type things for facilities instead of just environmental EPA type work um, was a really big growth. And I was there for the 15 years of it. You would hope they would know your name and they didn't. Wow! Um, and they were midsize, midsize firm, but that uh, succession planning, let's talk about that for a moment because the The head of the group that had been there since the founding of the firm, practically, um, he decided to leave and go work for the client. And they looked at the rest of the team and the choices of who they chose to step in um, In my opinion, was questionable. (laughs) So, so, but it hurt. Um, You know, dedicating a lot of time and a lot of years, and then feeling like they didn't even know who you were, and and then you start pointing some fingers. You you say my boss never gave me the opportunity to be one level above him, which really was the owner of the company. So there weren't it wasn't layers that I could blame. (laughs) It (laughs) It was like one person was stopping me from, um, kind of advancement. And when that happened and then, you know, there were a few other things where it was, I didn't really feel, feel like, and again, you've talked about this with the other guests, um, you know, personality traits should matter when you're looking at who is going to step into leadership roles. Right. We have an amazing technical staff, but, were they the right people to become staff managers and leaders and move into vice president roles? Um, Well, I I heard and sat around tables where the conversation was, well, she's been here so long. She's got the tenure. We're going to give it to her. Um, And and I have a hard time saying that because I'm like all for get the women at the higher levels, but this person didn't have the personality traits to take on some of those. So, she just wasn't a people person. <laughs> so, um, so there were numerous things that had happened around that time that I just was like, you know, I need something different. And then the door knocked and and I answered. Um, so it, it was and, and I think the um, idea of advancement in a small company, there were, was that was incentivized um, yeah. buy in that that ultimately <clears throat> level of ownership was being looked at. Um, there were a lot of words that were said while recruiting me that once there I didn't actually really feel like that was true unfortunately um, but that it convinced me to leave. I didn't see Got those it. opportunities in my current job.
0: so so mostly upward mobility was the was the carrot that was being dangled out there plus there was an opportunity where you could kind of stretch your skill set.
1: Yeah. And I think access to leadership, you know, my mid-sized firm was proving I didn't have access. I wasn't being listened to. And so then going into a small firm, I hoped that, Oh, Oh, there's a small enough firm. Like I can have access and I can have impact and I can have upward mobility. Like you said.
0: Awesome. So I'm going to put this book in the show notes, but I think it, it's, it's such a great book for this conversation. It's called greater than yourself by a gentleman, Steve Farber. And it really talks about creating a GTY, greater than yourself culture, and a culture of mentorship in the business. And that, like, all of our jobs as leaders is to be identifying the next uh, round of talent and to be intentional about that. And yeah. you, you touched on succession planning. I can't tell you how many engineering firms um, don't have a continuity plan. Right? They became Absolutely. experts, and and instead of instead of being leaders and businesses, they're really sole proprietorships with some staff around them and um, it's I think it's it's hard for those folks to to let go um, or to exit themselves or to have a transition plan. Uh, so I think that book is a is a good highlight.
1: I'll have to look into it because that is a it's a passion of mine, which is so ironic because, My feeling is those firms that don't do that risk losing their stars because they don't feel they have an opportunity in that firm. And then ironically, they might do what I did, which is step away, create their own business. And now I'm by myself right now. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm anxiously awaiting, um,
0: the staff to groom
1: exactly being able to grow the firm and have the staff and, and, uh, be a leader in the ways that I didn't see, um, as examples in my earlier career.
0: Yeah. All right. So you, you end up with the design firm. Does the NOAA contract come to fruition?
1: Yes. Yeah. So we fulfill that project. It's a big project and uh, time, a lot of time. Um, you know, I then become the federal business sector leader. Um, ironically, I do get them on five new clients within a 12 month period. Um, but it's, you know, subconsultant role and they didn't want the subconsultant role. They really wanted the prime role. Um, so that wasn't really enough. So I wasn't bringing in enough. Um, and they didn't understand that for federal, even if I wrote a proposal at the beginning of becoming their federal BD person, it may take 12 months, 18 months, 24 months to even know if they won. So, um, and it was just not clear that we, we, we're pursuing the same things as far as our heart and soul and federal. So
0: I what mean, was their, what was their bread and butter?
1: Um, higher ed, okay. um, cultural. Gotcha. And that's another thing that you see, right? The, the founders of a firm might have a certain, their baby, if you will. Yeah. And the founder, one of them, there was a partnership, but one of them was really federal. He, that was his baby but then um when three other people took over they had their own babies and that and that the whole company changes based on that so yeah not that it's wrong it's just be aware you know um well, how you, that you, changes.
0: You, you get into the personalities and the politics inside of the organizations and to that point like Everybody wants FaceTime and quote with the owner or with the principals and they they're going to want to be on the projects that the principals care about yeah. uh, because that's where that's where the attention is um, not the case at MCFA and not the case at engage federal although you are very focused on the federal market mm-hmm. um, which I think is uh, I think that is an important topic to bring up, and maybe maybe we can talk about that after you tell us what what creates the idea that you should go out on your own?
1: so I'm seeing the writing on the wall, right um that this 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 is my long term fit, and then I have to make the choice well, and I should quickly say that I was also part of the um ACEC Virginia Emerging Leaders Institute. So for a year, there was a year-long program that I did this leadership program, and that was an amazing program. Um, which I totally signed myself up. I mean, I totally nominated myself. By the way, All, anyone who's looking and thinks that you're you shouldn't nominate yourself nominate yourself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like the learning that you get is worth it. You know, I had to get signatures and I had to get buy off from uh, my my bosses and higher ups. But um, there's no shame in that game. <laughs> um, because what I learned, I mean, they, you know, they paid for it, but I went and what I learned was amazing. And the examples that I was learning or, or taking away from that program, um, I wasn't seeing in my life. So at that time, when the writing was on the wall, and I had recently graduated from that program, I said, I either need to find a firm that I strongly believe in where it's a good fit. They understand federal or I'm going out on my own. And of course, personal things are always happening that you never expect (laughs) Right? We had just signed a contract to renovate our entire kitchen. Like money, you know, and here I am about to be jobless as I make this transition. At least that's what's happened in my head. Right. Yep. Um, So I did, you know, I well, I reached out to some of my mentors and um, asked them what firms they might have high reputations and think that I'd be a good fit at. That was very interesting to do. Um, It was a small list. (laughs) And then, um, and then did my research on those companies, reached out to them. And I did some interviews and at the same time was literally going down the path of creating my own company. And if if I used it, I used it. And if I didn't, I didn't. Um, So for 90 days, I was in this. What am I doing? Uh, Which way am I going to go? And ultimately. For lots of reasons, um, I decided to start my own company. And so, yes, from like, it was 90 days until I was up and running, Till I decided, let me look. Let's see if the grass is going to be greener somewhere else, to having a website, being in SAM.gov, and the hardest name, I mean, the hardest challenge is choosing a name (laughs) for the company. I'll tell you, that was the hardest part. What domain is available and how can you get it? That was seriously the hardest part. But yeah, that's how it all started. And it was not that I, I I know many who do that have entrepreneurial spirits and just say, I'm going to work for myself. I have ideas and I'm going to do it. Mine felt a little more out of, gosh, I don't want to make it sound bad, but like, I can do this better. I want it to be different. And yeah.
0: So there's, there's another book, The E-Myth. Um and I think it's Peter Drucker, but he, he says that inside of us, all of us are three people. There's the entrepreneur, there's the manager, and there's the technician. And the entrepreneur sees everything as broken and how much better they can make it. That's the visionary, the 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 pusher. Um, and, and we're not all equal parts of this, right? There's the manager that you know sees the vision understands the vision but they just want to they just want to be organizing things and then there's the technician that just loves doing the work right and i i'm curious because so i think i've evolved into different parts of this at different points of my life um and i love i i am more of the the entrepreneur um and i think i've always leaned that way but now i think i'm like very confident that's that's my path. I concur. But, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Knowing you.
0: <laughs> but I love, I I do like, there's nothing I love more than being in a room full of technicians that are just like on their game talking about like, how do we, how do we advance a project? How do we solve a problem? Um, and I really appreciate, and Brian, my COO, Brian Piplo is extremely good at this. I love people that can organize the chaos around me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, you know, a lot of, a lot of small businesses are started by saying like, you know what? I don't like the way everybody else is doing this. I think we can do this better. And I bet, um, I bet you can do it better. So I'm glad Engage Federal is, is birthed into this world <laughs> by Jillian Breeden. Well, Um I don't know if this will come up in, in, you know, the next section, but it it is navigate. And I don't know if there's a project or if the whole last two years is your navigate section, but a challenge, a story, project or leadership people um, that you think teaches a, a great lesson to our audience.
1: So I think one of it I said already, but not in this, we didn't use these words, but you have to advocate for yourself, right? Um, so for me, that was, I saw this program and through ACEC Virginia, and I'd like to be doing a leadership program. I'd like to be taking myself to that next level. Um, so, you know, I nominated myself <laughs> and, and got support. Um, so, whatever it might be, I always, you know, even my um, junior employees and previously, they would, they would come into like salary discussions so unsure. And it's like, well, why, why are you so unsure or nervous? You know, if you have a real feeling of what you should be achieving or what you're, where you wanna go next or what you deserve, let's talk about it, it shouldn't be something that's uh, overly nerve wracking. Um, So you have to be your own advocate. And and then I would just say, don't underestimate yourself. Right. Because I for 15 years, as I had this incredible specialty, I I was broad. I had worked for a lot of federal agencies. I had done a lot of environmental compliance work. I had done uh, National Environmental Policy Act documentation, NEPA documentation. But. but in planning i had done a lot of the project level planning and the 1391s i thought i was such a niche hmm. no one needs me i only know one thing well right <laughs> to now what i realize in doing the 1391 you have costs you have environmental issues coming in you have environmental i mean you have engineers sitting at the table you need to understand about the utilities the site constraints I needed to know a lot about of a lot of things actually yep. <laughs> to do this one form. And I never gave myself credit for that. So, and, and then even now I, you know, you start your company and you start your company as a company of one. Um, thank goodness. You know, I, I'm confident enough. I was a, I was an army brat and a Navy wife. I can, I can hang with, uh, you know, People of of high senior leadership, <laughs> but um, and don't get too down on myself. But it's amazing to me that you go to these events, for example, like small business industry days and things, and I'm sitting across the table from firms that have 60,000 employees and telling them why they need to work with me. Yep. Um, and so that, right, your, your elevator pitch, your elevator pitch, and not diminishing what you do know and what you can bring.
0: So. Well, and and I think, you know, uh, again, there's no such thing as just in time people and to your point like the vast background that you get just from being in the room on different projects. Mm-hmm. So to the junior people, like say yes to everything. Yeah. Right? You, you, that's the only way you're going to find out what you what you really like, what you're good at and to see what's even out there. When okay. when I was um you know going through college I, I was planning to be a career military guy and I always had this entrepreneurial itch but you know I, di- I didn't know what that really meant. I just like you know read a couple books, was always interested in business, was always interested in creating and then I get the opportunity with the Corps of Engineers to be on you know a1.5 a billion dollar construction program from kind of soup to nuts. And all of the different conversations that go on in all the different rooms, and the budgeting, and the scheduling, and the construction inspection, the construction engineering, the design side, the planning, and the the uh, the four star generals that are going to be commanding the you know the R and D um, agencies that are in these facilities. Like you, you get to see so much, and like I had no idea, even as an engineer degree, like how much went into a construction project. Yeah. Like yeah. the 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 entire white collar side of uh, the construction industry and everything that has to happen, especially in a large scale public project where you do have all the environmental issues, all of the programming and budgeting and and defining the mission requirements and then converting those mission requirements into facility requirements and advocating for the money. I mean it's like it's crazy. Yeah. Um, so young people say yes to everything and get exposed to everything because it's the only way you're going to find out what you like and what you're good at. And typically those two things go together. And I can't, uh, reiterate it enough to advocate for yourself. Like Jillian's saying, like nobody else is looking out for you, Mm -hmm. even in the best organizations. I think I, I like, I think I care about every person in my organization and every person I've ever partnered with, but I, I only have so much time in a day to think about anything. And right before we got on this call, I was talking about I was putting down a I was putting down a two year old for a nap and turning on the TV for my kindergartner. Like we exactly. everybody has demands on their time. So leaders want people in their organizations that are advocating for themselves because we want champions for our firms. So if you can't champion for yourself, how do we how do we get the confidence that you know how to champion for our business out there? And so confidence and competence go a long, long way. And, um, I, I love that story. So thank you for sharing that.
1: I, and to reiterate what you just said of of like being in all of those meetings, that's, there's a difference between being there, right. But, or truly taking it in and learning, Yeah, you know, and, and that's what I think other people who are really successful do, um, they're not just, I'm here to talk about my one part. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm here to learn. Yep. I'm here to hear all the other parts and then get even better at my part. So Yes.
0: Be curious. Ask yeah. questions.
1: Exactly.
0: Um, so <laughs> speaking of questions, we have our Q&A round. So current event, public policy, or society issue that you're actively involved in?
1: Well, let's see. From a strictly
0: uh go anywhere you want with it yeah
1: exactly so i'm gonna i'm gonna stray from like my federal passion um a little bit here although from a federal passion perspective obviously all the infrastructure bills that have been coming out and uh i I think lack of investment in not just infrastructure but federal buildings is killing me Um, so professionally, (laughs) that is an issue (laughs) that's, um, you know, the SRM budgets are just a fraction of in federal of what they should be in private or what they are supposed to be, um, if you're looking at private sector. So that's a big thing for me, professional world wise, um, privately, I am adamant about like STEM education for all and accessibility for all and encouraging, and that's self-serving, right? Because if I'm encouraging um, communities to have all sorts of STEM resources, and I should say STEAM, because I do like the art in it too, um, then I'm building a workforce that's going to be there for me once I'm grown, (laughs) right? When When my company is past its infancy and I get to be having staff, Um, the goal would be that these are the people that are going to these things now. So in doing so, I'm on the board of directors of what was previously called the Children's Science Center. They have a small lab here in Fair Oaks Mall in uh, the D.C. area, but unfortunately closed during COVID. Um, It will be reopening in June, but they do a lot of field trips for all the public schools. Um, They have a lot of initiatives for um, underserved areas in math, engineering, science, et cetera. And so I am an advocate for them. They are now transitioning to become uh, the Northern Virginia Science Center Foundation because we are about to break ground on a new science center here in Northern Virginia, uh, right between Fairfax County and Loudoun County. It's in Loudoun County, but it's right on the border. So uh, that's what I do with my other side of the passion is bringing this community resource that I'm really hopeful will continue to bring education to and be like a, a hallmark of what people remember growing up in this area, going to the Northern Virginia science center. So.
0: That's great. And I, I agree art in STEM is important because we do need the creatives and the entrepreneurs to help advance the industry um, and I think project management, project development, and, and everything that we really do in leadership is part art and part science. So I agree. Um, side side note: How much of your planning background is coming into the the project development process for your groundbreaking?
1: Yeah, I love that question because I, I was like I was too late to the party. Um, I knew about everything, but I didn't know the ins and outs of how they were trying to get funding with the state and local governments. And so I came in right after, to the board of directors, right after they had achieved that funding. Um, but so,
0: so let me tell you, you didn't miss anything except a bunch of <laughs> aggravation because as much as we're passionate about the nonprofits we're involved in, and as much as we're passionate about the work that we do, we just broke ground on a on a um, new facility for the nonprofit swim club that I'm a part of, and when it's volunteer work and you're dealing with the public agencies and all of the escrows and all of the everything that goes into groundbreaking, mm-hmm. it's really, really aggravating.
1: yeah yeah.
0: Um, Every time I went to a meeting or, or went to a, um, a zoning board hearing or plans, like I had to make clear to everybody. I was a volunteer.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I can't take this level. <laughs> I'm just a volunteer. No, I'm, I'm very grateful <laughs> because I'm not actually sure. I mean, I think some of it from federal to, um, state and local, some of it might've translated, but I, you know, I, yeah. I didn't know the players in the federal and I mean, in the state and local. Right. Um, but it's been very enlightening and no, now we just got to go to the fun part, the design and the (laughs) the exhibit design. And yeah, now we're strictly in the fun part.
0: And then you'll get to go to the ribbon cutting. Yeah, man. All right. Favorite quote and why?
1: Oh gosh. So, uh, plug for your previous, uh, podcast, uh, Man, I liked with General Duke DeLuca. I really like the feedback is the breakfast of champions one. And I know you. that's
0: good, isn't it?
1: Yes. Yeah. And I mean, he just so eloquently explained why feedback was so important. I just loved that dialogue. So, um, but recently I heard I was in a conference and heard someone say that there's no change in the comfort zone and no comfort in the change zone. And that one I had to write down because that's how I'm feeling. Right. Um, I had 15 years of comfort and and that was fine because my personal life was changing. That was during having really young kids and um, husband in the Navy and things like that. But then I got to the point where I wanted to be out of that comfort zone and I needed to push myself. And that started and, and has led to to the Engage Federal. And now I am definitely in the change zone <laughs> So and loving it. I, there's like a new passion and a new energy and a, um excitement, along with, you know, a side of anxiety. But um, <laughs> that only entrepreneurs. It's good
0: anxiety. It's good yeah. anxiety.
1: Have you seen that, like, uh, the picture or the meme where it's like, uh, I don't know why people say being an entrepreneur is so hard. I'm 35 and I feel just <laughs> fine, but the guy looks 85 or whatever. That I can, yeah.
0: <laughs> speaking from experience, I think, so the stress and the anxiety, it's like, it's every time you take a step forward and get through it, it's like you just got your, you got your vaccine for that level of stress. And it's yeah. like, you'd be surprised what bounces off of you eventually. Like yeah. some of the stuff I deal with on a daily basis, it's, it, there's no way I thought I, I would be able to handle some of the stress. Um, but I think that's part of the growth. And to your point, you can't grow if you're comfortable. So Mm -hmm. if you're not in an organization that makes you uncomfortable, you're probably not doing yourself any favors and they're not helping you. So find somebody or to our point earlier, advocate for yourself and uh, go make yourself uncomfortable. Volunteer for something and advocate for yourself. All right. Must read book, Jillian. All
1: right, so I'm in the, you know, I know that you are so good about reading and I am in the world of two elementary school age kids where everything I read is more um, for them than for me right now. But but ironically, one of the books that was part of a reading challenge with them was a book called A Long Walk to Water, which is based on the true story of the Lost Boys of Sudan. And I think about that book all the time. So it obviously like really resonated. Um, it was a it was a little it was a little much, not just for me, but for the kids. I was not quite sure why it was on the list, but <laughs> one of the quotes, and it's actually exactly what you just talked about too. That has stuck with me um, is that they took every day literally one step at a time. And so the quote itself is is success comes one step at a time. One step at a time, one day at a time. Just today, just this day to get through. And okay. so that—that's a book. It's Linda Sue Park. But I don't, you know, it's the least expected book that I thought I'd think about all the time. But that one step at a time, just one step at a time.
0: Agree. And I think Duke did a good job of talking about this as well. It's like enjoying one step at a time, right? Mm-hmm. Like. Tomorrow will come, but don't rush today. Like, enjoy where we're at and enjoy the challenges in front of us. And um, a number of people have talked about this, and, and we it, off and on do it in our house, off and on do it in our company. Is instead of what do you have to do today, we say what do you get to do today? Because it just changes the framework of that question. And like, how lucky are we to get to solve these problems in front of us today?
1: Oh, I like that.
0: Um, all right, dead or alive, if you could hang out with three people for a day, who would they be, and what would you do? Oh gosh,
1: so sentimentally, I would probably put my my grandma and my grandpa Stanek. They they passed away when I was in uh, middle school, so I didn't, mm. you know, before you got to really uh, reflect and ask them the types of questions that you might want to ask as a grown up. But um, so that would be sentimentally um, Nelson Mandela because heck of a leader, getting through hardship and still having what seemed to be an amazing uh, personality and a, a selfless person. Um, yeah. Uh, so Nelson Mandela, Mandela, and because I have this huge, I did mission trips in Africa and the number of times you see stadiums, you know, the Mandela yeah. Stadium. And so his name is all over Africa. So that's led to like kind of a another fascination from, from getting, um, to know his legacy more. Um, and then the, the third, I just have to throw in just because it's funny because my husband thinks he looks like Matt Damon. <laughs> So I want to hang out with Matt Damon to see if my husband actually
0: looks like <laughs> Matt Damon.
1: <laughs> People have told him that too. It's not just made up, but I'm his wife, so I don't see it. But uh,
0: <laughs> How do you like but, them apples?
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But you know, I mean, he does seem easy on the eyes and so he seems funny. So it would be a good hang out day.
0: <laughs> I think he's passionate about similar things too. I think his mom's a teacher. He's passionate about education. Yes. Yeah, he's... I it, you know, a a character, if, if I could be any character in any movie, I'm pretty sure Goodwill hunting, like being will is up there with, uh, you know, he could just dress anybody down with intelligence and while I, I, you know, what's not to like about that. Exactly. All right. How would you like to be remembered? What would you like on your tombstone?
1: Um, with this one, I want people to see me as being honest and passionate. So, and I would like to think that that's what I portray, that that's what I bring. I do. I wear my emotions on my sleeve for the most part. Um, and I want a passion for, for life, you know, for family, for, for fun, and for my profession. So uh, whatever you're going to do, you might as well do it passionately, right?
0: I agree. Yeah. Passion is fun and life's too short not to be having fun. So exactly. that's what we say. Don't trade time for money. Yes. All right. The time is yours. Anything else you'd like to share with the audience? Uh,
1: so I'm going to actually circle back to what we said in the beginning from the like proper planning leads to good execution right and success so take that into not just federal facilities projects um, but take that into your personal life and your career and don't just let it flow determine what path you might want and it's okay if that changes absolutely Um, but go with a little bit of purpose and it circles back to being that advocate for yourself, so if you don't know where you want to be um if you haven't planned for that, how can you take your next step so totally. I guess that's my parting thought planning proper planning
0: proper planning, proper planning prevents poor performance there you there's, go there's a whole lot more to that in the uh in the military lingo, but i re- i i would uh it's not what got me through college. What got me through college was if you wait till the last minute, it only takes a minute. Uh, but I don't, I don't uh, recommend that. It's not the way to go. Yeah.
1: Jillian. Well, lesson, been, right? uh, we all learn from those. <laughs> that's right.
0: Exactly. It's been so great catching up with you. Thank you for taking the time and uh, appreciate your insight. I think a lot of people will learn from your experience and, uh, Find out more about Jillian's company. We will have her uh, capability statement on the show notes so that you can find out more about programming and 1391 development. So, all of you federal big boy uh, contractors out there, um, look up Jillian for your next planning project. If you enjoy the show, do us a favor and subscribe to Inspiring People and in Places on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast hosting platform. We'd also greatly appreciate if you left us a review and shared this with other entrepreneurial public servants. Be sure to visit our website, www.mcfaglobal.com. Sign up for our newsletter if you want to learn more about the MCFA DNA. Last but not least, we're always talking about talent and MCFA is hiring. If you want a company that's got a diverse portfolio of clients and a diverse portfolio of work, and is looking for champions that can help us grow, come check us out. If you don't see a job description that looks up your alley, but you feel like you uh, match our core values and our culture, hit me up. Um, I, I like people who advocate for themselves. So check us out. And until next time, have a great rest of the week. Thanks so much, everybody.